Well, hi there. Happy Wednesday. It's August 31st, 2011. I'm Gian Gomeshi. This is Q. In the past week or so, Libya has been witness to dramatic change, as you likely know. Rebels seized control of the capital, Tripoli, and are now advancing on Muammar Gaddafi's last stronghold, his hometown of Sirte. The rebel takeovers of cities across Libya have been quickly followed by a remarkable flowering of media in the country. Newspapers, websites, radio and TV stations are are now openly spreading anti-Gaddafi messages that would have been forbidden just a few months ago. And bloggers who had been silent since a crackdown in March have re-emerged, posting fresh criticism of the regime and joy at their newfound freedom. But 42 years of dictatorship isn't easy to shake off, and for all the excitement of this new era... My first guest today says the Libyan media still faces many challenges. Jamal Dajani is is with Internews, an international media development organization based in the United States. The group has just released a new report on the state of the media in Libya. And we've reached Jamal Dajani today at his office in Washington, D.C. Hello, sir. Hello, and good morning. Good to have you on the program. Since the uprising began in Libya in February, dozens of media outlets have sprung up in rebel-controlled areas around the country. Can you give us a sense of the significance of this change in the media landscape in Libya? Well, I think it's very important to remember that during the reign of uh, Muammar Gaddafi, Libya has rated as one of the least free countries in the Arab region, also in terms of freedom of expression. Uh, In fact, uh, calling it state-controlled media would be a wrong expression. I would basically call it a one-man media, and that's what uh, Libyans uh, have lived under for uh, 42 years. So now, since the uprising, we've seen an explosion, basically, I mean, since February 2011, and the liberation of uh, northeastern Libya, uh, there has been an explosion of new and independent media. Um, I would say by now we have some 120 publications, five radio stations and three to five TV stations uh, are now on the street and in the air. So we went from total darkness to an explosion in media outlets. You have those uh, Libyans who have been living abroad in Italy and in Europe, uh, you know, stories of a dentist or a doctor returning to Libya mm. to, to start a, a media outlet, a radio station. Right. You have a, an entire generation of youth who never had the opportunity to have their voices heard, and now they're on the radio, they, they're printing articles, uh, and, and so... In, in one, you know, one, one side, it is really uh, important and uh, and something to be excited about. But at the same time, uh, you lack professionalism, and uh, and most of those uh, media outlets that have been uh, springing, uh, basically, they are engaged in activism and advocacy, you know, in order to support the revolution. Okay, let me let me t- take that uh, one at a time. So the first half of what you just said. In terms of the excitement around it, and the kind of the kind of media outlets that are emerging, uh, uh, Jamal, just in the way you describe it, earlier this year we spoke with a couple of young Libyans who grew up in the UK, and they had just started a pop music station called Tribute FM in Benghazi. So you're saying this kind of thing is not uncommon.
common now for these media outlets to be uh, um, flowering in a very um, democratic way. People uh, with no experience literally setting up um, uh, media programs and organizations. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you're seeing, of course, you have, you know, with, when it comes to entertainment, when it comes to music and so forth, it's, uh, of course, this is common now and, and it's very important to the country. But now this country is transitioning into a state and, and many of those, um, you know, um, people who have been basically spinning records, etc., are engaging in hard news reporting without any experience. And we have been, I mean, in, in, in essence, it's, it's really important and it is, it's helpful for the dissemination of the news. But in the fog of war, and a prime example is what we've seen with the announcement of the capture or the surrender of Gaddafi's son, Saif al-Islam, and then to find out later on that this story wasn't true. So now yeah. we have a lot of uh, people who are engaged who lack training, they don't have uh, the training in investigative journalism or, or, you know, covering wars or emergencies, and later on this country hopefully will transition into a democracy and elections, so they lack training in election coverage and so forth. Let me get to that. I want to get to the implications in a minute. Let me, let me just take two steps back again and, and ask you about the way it has been for the last 42 years. You, a moment ago you said to me, uh, one-man media. How would you characterize the media landscape a little deeper than just that sentence in, under Gaddafi? Uh, the, the kind of content seen in the state-controlled newspapers and on television, or the one-man media, as you call it. What, would pe- what were people seeing? Well, I mean, you know, you're talking about um, a totally state-controlled in all aspects, um, and we're talking about really a propaganda machine. I mean, even a description uh, to talk about, you know, proper, in the, in the essence of uh, talking about proper journalism, etc., this was non-existent. Remember, Gaddafi claimed power by military coup in 1969 and, and then went on, you know, to dismantle to what had existed before, which wasn't much. Uh, I hear people now comparing, you know, the revolution in Libya to that of Egypt or Tunisia, but it is kind of, uh, and talking about the media in the same uh, sentence, but uh, that comparison is wrong because, you know, when we talk about a country like Egypt that had a, and still has a major media infrastructure, it has broadcast uh, schools, uh, it had a vibrant film industry, Libya had pretty much nothing, you know, to begin with. And then Gaddafi came up, and he came up with his own set of rules, you know, starting with the third universal theory, then transitioned into uh, what has been called the Green Book, and basically dismantling everything that um, had to do with the state or, or, or a media or any media laws. So everything that was run was based on his ideology, and then propaganda has been central to the Gaddafi regime. You know, for example, his own image had to be everywhere, mm. uh, on billboards, in public buildings. Uh, you can't watch any news report or any kind of show, even when it, it, it was cultural or inter- entertainment, without listening to praise of his leadership. This was a, a requirement uh, on the air, in print, on all documents. And how did Libyans, and, how did Libyans themselves inside the country view the media? Would, were they aware or did they accept that this is propaganda? 
Well, I mean, they had no choice. In uh, early on, before the advent of satellite TV, uh, you know, Libyans were pretty much stuck with watching what was put on terrestrial te- television, which is Al Jumhuriya, which is the Libyan television station, or or listen to the state-controlled radio. Now, um, and that's also based on again on on economical um, uh, reasons. You know, not all Libyans own satellite TV, etc. But later on, with the explosion of satellite TV. Uh, many Libyans uh, had the access uh, to, for example, Al Jazeera or even BBC and other channels, and they knew better. So, so obviously, many of them realized the, the predicament they were in, that they were pretty much stuck in this state-controlled, and this was not the reality. What was reported inside the country was totally different to what they have seen uh, on the air from other different channels. Let me ask you now about the the implications of this flowering of media and and the information that is coming out of Libya um, more than it ever has before, perhaps, but some of it uh, unverified or, or or crossing the line in terms of basic journalism and ethics, as you say. Uh, it was interesting. You talk about the the the, the uh, capture of uh, Saif al Islam that was reported and and was in fact not a fact. This was not just reported by Libyan media, but it, it followed on CNN and Al Jazeera. Uh, in fact, about a week and a half ago, there were, I remember tweeting that there, depending on where I think it was a Sunday night, and depending on what news organization you were you were watching or or hearing reports from, Gaddafi had either been captured not captured. He was in Libya. He was in Tripoli or he was in Algeria. There was all kinds of different reports clearly demonstrating that uh, it's very difficult to get get actual information, uh, empirical information out of Libya. Tell me about what this all means in terms of uh, a free media and what the information that's coming out of the country. Well, we have two things. I mean, and and you're right. Uh, CNN reported that uh, cyclists have captured Al Jazeera, everyone else. And we are now in the age of really not just media, but social media, and where we people compete to tweet uh, some information out there, who is going to be the first to report on a story, and, and so forth, without going back to the traditional standards of uh, verifying the sources and so forth. So, so this is universal now, and it, it's almost like shoot first and ask questions later. And then if we find out that something that we reported is wrong, then perhaps we can issue an apology. But uh, media outlets are in this age competing to put the story out there, and uh, uh, Libya is not any, any different. However, now what we have in in Libya, I mean, as far as uh, when we talk about this whole euphoria and you have this uh, embryonic um, um, media outlets or or, uh, through a revolution, you you have many people who who all of a sudden have been engaged in, in, in this profession without any skills. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, you have people who just because of the fever of the revolution decided to volunteer their time and transition from being a doctor or an engineer or a student and go back because when we ask them, uh, why are you there, basically almost everyone identified themselves as supporting the revolution. This was, you know, this was the answer. So, so they, they, this incorporated a broad range of self-defined roles and types of 
production, you know, uh, for example, saying uh, that they're there to explicitly to counter Gaddafi regime propaganda. Others would say they're there to urge regime soldiers to desert. Right. Others would say they wanted to inform the outside world about events taking place in Libya, and, and so forth. Um, so you can view, you know, the explosion of media, and I view it in, uh, as a positive development because we, we're going from almost nothing to, uh, you know, we're now on the fast track to have more than a hundred media outlets just, uh, you know, in in uh, in the making right. in in less than six months. However, now it's going to get to the time where you're going to start having to get engaged with these uh, media outlets in skills training, uh, you know, because during Qaddafi's regime... Uh, um, okay, well, but, but, but not just... all chances of, 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 uh, uh, of right. any kind of training for journalists, but, editors... But, but not, just the skill, not just the skills training. There is, a, there is a concern around, and you just alluded to it a moment ago, around the ideological approach of, uh, um, uh, of the, or the partisanship, perhaps, of, of the media that is sprouting, right? I mean, most of the new media outlets that are springing up are clearly sympathetic with the rebels and the National Transitional Council. Are you concerned at all that they are not holding those groups up to a sufficient level of scrutiny? And given that they'll often broadcast, as you just say, messages urging members of the regime to defect and urging soldiers to desert, to what extent are these new outlets simply propaganda organs for the rebels now? Well, I would say they are. I mean, they. I mean, and this is. They're not coming out. Uh, I mean, they. They're not hiding this. I mean, many of them. They're telling you that's why they are there, you know, and that's what they wanted to do. But uh, during a revolution, it's almost uh, for them. Uh, the matter is just a, a, an acceptable thing to do to get engaged, and we are going to counter Qaddafi's propaganda. Hence, we are going to engage in our own propaganda. And, and they are not putting the, the rebels, let's say, in the hot seat. And, uh, and now we are even seeing uh, from humanitarian organizations, United Nations, etc., reports that there has been uh, have been some atrocities committed on both sides. I mean, obviously, there is uh, revenge killings, there is vengeance, and so forth. So the big question now, will these uh, new media outlets engage in the same intensity that they are being engaged in countering the Qaddafi regime into posing the right questions to the NTC, posing the right questions when they find out, for example, a family who was deemed to be sympathetic to the Gaddafi was assassinated and so forth. Your, your report has a number of recommendations to help build capacity in the Libyan media and perhaps to... Uh, to try and avert that uh, type of propaganda we were just talking about. Can you take me very briefly through what you'd like to see happen? I think the very most important thing, and really and this is basic journalism 101, is to, um, to engage into, in the training of and, and the explanation what independent media really means. Many people, not only in Libya, do not understand this concept. Actually, in the entire Middle East, uh, many countries, they need that kind of education. 
Uh, and then when we're talking about the ethics, ethics is paramount. I mean, to me, it, it comes before the skills into what's going to come next, into training them in, in, in investigative journalism and into covering elections, uh, in civic society, etc. Uh, there is a problem now is in what, what does it mean to be, an, you know, what to, to get engaged in ethics because it's, it's uh, uh, I mean, you have people who, who lived under a regime that not, did not practice any of this for more than four decades. And uh, at the same time, Libya does not have a media law. Uh, now, you know, I mean, I'm talking about steps that's going to come next. So, so people are operating according to their own whim. They don't know what, uh, uh, where the, you know, what are, what are the boundaries, what, where are the red lines, and so forth. And how optimistic are you about the future in terms of the Libyan media? I think I should have to, I have to be first more optimistic that Libya transition into a democracy and has a vibrant media first, because if it doesn't have a vibrant media, then uh, the whole cause and the whole purpose for this revolution will fail. We don't want to get to a status where even, you know, when we talk about other countries that are still struggling with this question, um, you know, in Egypt, for example, yes, there was state control, but uh, and now uh, what what happened there? He had many of the journalists basically, um, you know, we had shuffling of the seats. They they they, they switch organizations. They went from praising uh, Mubarak into praising the military regime there. You know, they did the 180 overnight. You don't want to see something like this happen in Libya, where uh, the media becomes a tool uh, for, for whoever is going to govern there in the future. I mean, you want to see a, an independent media in the making. And the good news is we are stra- starting from scratch in, in Libya. So you, you have uh, new energy, you have uh, new young people who've never been engaged in media trying to do something, and you have Libyans who lived abroad coming back uh, who were exposed to uh, free and independent media who are coming back to share at least their vision uh, with the rest of the country. Jamal Dajani, it's uh, it's a good pleasure to get to speak to you. Thank you for this. Thank you. Bye-bye, sir. That's Jamal Dajani. Uh, he's with Internews, an international media development organization based in the United States. We reached him today in Washington, D.C.